since 1910, our nation has been recognizing fathers across the land, and today it is that day that everyone stops and salutes, lauds, and praises fathers. So I want to ask all the fathers, grandfathers, stepfathers, to be fathers, stand up right now. We want to really tell you how great you are. Come on, let's come on. Let's give them a nice thank you. A father and his son had gone out fishing one day, and it had been a couple hours, and his son turned to him and said, uh, Dad, can you tell me why this boat floats? And he thought for a couple minutes, and he said, you know, I, I really don't know why it floats. They kept, fish, they kept fishing, and later he turned to his dad and he says, can you tell me how fish are able to breathe in the water? His dad said, gee, I don't, I'm not sure. And then a little while longer, he got up and he was looking up into the sky and he said, dad, can you tell me why is the sky blue? Dad said, I'm not sure. And then the son thought his dad would be upset. And he said, are you upset because I'm asking questions? And his dad said, no, if you don't ask questions, you'll never learn anything. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Helps me get off to a really good start. I want to talk today about the heart of a father. The best fathers are those who have been able to engage through their heart, the heart of their son or their daughter. The heart is the very center of who we are it's our spirit, it is where God dwells. And God has hardwired every single father to be a good dad. As the fish are able to swim, birds are able to fly, every father has been empowered with this DNA it's innate in him to be able to be a father that is effective. Every child needs a dad. And we first of all have to step back and get a God perspective of what is happening from God's perspective. The Bible says in Psalm 127, beginning with verse three, don't you see that children are God's best gift? They are a reward from him. 
Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. So God gives his best gifts. I might add expensive (laughs) gifts. The Bible says that they are a reward, not a not the judgment of God or a curse. And he says, if you have a lot of them, you are joyful and you are blessed. Remember, before they were ours, they were God's. And even as they are ours, they are still his. And we've been given them by God as his best gifts so that we can be able to lead them, to guide them, to mentor them, and to be a man and a father to them. Remember, they are sons of the king and they are daughters of the king. So often, we find that fathers are focusing on their profession and not really focusing on their prized possessions. Houses are wonderful. New cars are wonderful. Cash in the bank is great. But they are not our prized possessions because they will all fade away, but our prized possessions are in the house, sleeping down in the back bedroom, and they have been given to us, not by a doctor, but they have been given to us by God. We need to... We need to to remember that these gifts that God has given are with us for about 216 months. From the first breath to about 18 years old is the time that you have the optimal time to influence them for what is good. 216 months. Then they will be gone, oh my goodness. They will have their life. But if you have planted and if you have seeded in them the right things, they will never get away from what they have been taught and what they have seen. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, I'd like all the fathers to read this. It was a little bit soft in the first meeting, but I'm still expectant that we can read it with great uh, verve. Read it together, all the fathers. Fathers, don't... So the Apostle Paul lays out what our highest priority is, and that is to take them by the hand 
and lead them in the way of Jesus. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, the apostle sets a principle here, and he says, now follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Today, as we're all aware, we are in to following people. Whether it is on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, it's like a big deal. At the top, it says how many followers you have and how many people you're following. The goal is not to have less people following you, but hopefully more. And Jesus says here not to follow someone on Instagram, but follow now the example of Christ And above all else, fathers are there not to speak first, but to live first, and to be a model of what it means to follow Christ, to have a life that is very strategic and life-changing to your kids. Remember, children are like wet cement. What is molded, modeled for them imprints their character. Fathers have been set up by God with authority to lead. They're not an observer in the house. They're just not the bringer of cash. They're there as a man to lead. And fathers have an opportunity to shape by how they live in their lives and what they say because our kids are always watching and they know things when we don't think they know things because every son and every daughter wants to look up to a dad and believe that I have a great dad, a dad that I can follow. And what we need to see in America when we talk about a revival, we need to take our crumbling families and believe that fathers can be great leaders and we can lead our kids, the next generation, to see one of the greatest models for our nation, and that, in fact, will turn our country around. In life, we sometimes focus on straight teeth and straight posture. While that's important, nothing compares to a father placing his children on a straight spiritual path. I read an interesting book by Dr. Meg 
Meeker, who has worked with children for 30 years and specifically with young people, students, and fathers. She repeated this kind of concept that so often bad behavior in a son or daughter can be a reflection not so much on you, Father, but what is happening inside of them. We have to remind ourselves a 13-year-old is still young, has not developed self-control, so that we have to have the perspective there that it's not all directed to the father or mother, but the things that are happening inside of their hearts. Fathers must be a student, not only of what the grades are, but be a student of understanding where your son's or heart, son's or daughter's heart is, so that you are establishing a relationship with them, not from your head, but from your heart. And you know your son so well, and you're so close to them that you know when something's not right. You don't wait for them to talk to you. You are a man who is following Jesus and you're leading your son or daughter in the same direction and you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit to know and discern exactly what is happening. You take the leadership that whenever there is some kind of a schism or dichotomy that you are there pulling up a chair and saying to your son or daughter, what's going on? You seem quiet today. So rare. <laughs> Tell me what's happening. I'm fine. Great. What's going on? Oh, everything's okay. What's going on? You have to be kind of like a continual teacher. Ask the question until you get an answer. You have to be skilled to know how to open your son or daughter up. If you're going to lead them in the ways of the Lord and take them where they need to go, then you have to you have to lead them from your heart. The best gift you can give your some react different to my sermons, you know. Where was I? You have to give to your children a gift of your heart. And let me tell you, kids are pretty smart. They can figure out what's going on. And when you're in the back room and you have no communication with them, they don't initiate, you do. You don't wait, you step out. Because you have a relationship with them and they are your prized possession. 
No father in this room has any idea of the impact that a father really has on a son or a daughter. And that, I have a book in my library, it's called The First Five Years. In the book, it says the most important years are the first five. When our girls were born, about three years apart, a little more, I made a practice that as they were going to bed, that I wanted to go in and pray with them and that it's never better to connect with your son or daughter in those early years. I would lay down on the bed and I had these stories about Buddy and Bernie. They were always about the ages of Jackie and also of Angie. And as they got a little older, the ages changed. After I would tell a story, then I would ask them what is, what is the moral of that story? We always had the story about Buddy who stole his friend's bike, probably heard about this, and hid it behind a tree by his house. And his dad came out and saw the bike and said, whose bike is this? And rather than him giving the right answer, he lied. And the story ends that he finally has to go to the friend where he stole the bike and tell him what he had done. And the moral of the story, as we're laying them out, because you have to be really laying out the principles each day of what is right and what is wrong. And the principle there was, you shouldn't lie and you shouldn't steal bikes. I think it worked. So we have to connect and engage very, very early and let our kids know that they are important to every one of us. We have to speak to them and tell them who they are. Because if we do not tell them who they are, there are people that will tell them and it may be the gang member or leader or drug dealer or someone who just wants to take advantage of them. And Father, I have always seen this. My first responsibility is I am a protector of my family. And you come out after my family and I will get so anointed that I might forget I'm a Christian. And if you have some girls in your house, you, you, better, you better know who they're going out with. You better know when they're coming back. And you can be at that door saying, how'd it go? And you need to put a little holy fear in this guy who's deal, taking out your girl because hallelujah. Glory to God. So you know 
where your kids are. Some fathers don't know where they're going. You need to know who they're with. You need to know they're going to a movie. It shouldn't be a R-rated movie. We have kids now going to R-rated, and some are documentary or war, but most of them are all kinds of things that are inappropriate. We need to teach these things to our kids. We don't go to R-rated movies. They are not good. Wow, that went over really good. (laughs) We need to say to them almost every single day, I believe in you. I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. There's nothing you can't do with God's help. What we have, friends, in the United States of America, and I'm sure around the world, we have this thing of not enough. We're not smart enough. We're not educated enough. To the girls, you're not beautiful enough. You don't work hard enough. And we have this thing going around. Our kids don't feel good about themselves, and we need to tell them who they are and tell them they are great, they are loved, and that God has a plan for them and crush the inferiority complex the inadequacy that they hear it so many times that they have dreams about us telling them how great they are and that they are not going into this world as an insignificant person. No one came into this world to live an insignificant life. Reminds me of Joel Jensen. He was a coach for a little league. And they had gone all the way to the Little League World Series, and he had been coaching his son Isaiah, who was a part of that game that day. As his son Isaiah was pitching, it was very clear that he was becoming very, very weak and tired and walking some players. In the middle of the game, his father, who was a coach of the Little League uh, World team, he went out on the mound and he looked at his son, Joel, and he said, Joel, uh, Isaiah, I just came out to tell you that I love you as a dad. And as a player, you're doing an awesome job. So cheer up and have some fun. What he didn't know, that somehow this was live and it was heard and picked up by a TV uh, phone and people everywhere heard that uh, response. I think, I think that's more important than, well, you've got to do better. You're going to, now, I love you. Cool it. You're going to be great. How many know we need more of that? Amen. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. I have many memories of my father. I have a picture 
in our family room that when I sit down to pray in the morning, I look right at my dad. My dad was not into sports himself, although he loved the Baltimore Orioles and the Baltimore Colts at that time. But my dad wanted to be with me. And often in the morning, especially in the weekend, he would say, let's go up and have breakfast in Hamilton, and we had our special place. We would be together, and we'd be on North Avenue, and he would say, let's go into Bickford's for a cup of coffee. One of the most memorable times, however, was when I was selling Fuller Brush summers in college. No one here would know about that company. Does anyone know about that company? Okay, three people. And I would go door to door, and they had brushes, and they had all kinds of sprays. And it was Baltimore, row houses, door to door. It's about 100 degrees, and I would do this 10 hours a day, all day. If it was raining, I was out there. One day, my dad noticed I was somewhat discouraged. I'll never forget, he came out in his car, and he said, as you work these houses, I'm going to stay here in this car, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to think and encourage you. That day, he was out there for several hours. I don't know what it was. But I was able to keep going, and I felt a little better because my dad was sitting in the car. He didn't say it, but he did say it by saying, Alex, you can do this. Don't stop knocking on doors. And I became very effective because my father was there with me and for me. There's a great battle going on for the hearts of fathers. There's a great battle going on for the hearts of our children. We not only have the father's wound, we have the children's wound. And we have to believe through our teaching, through our small groups, through our various ministries, through our encounters, that every single person can be healed in their hearts. If I'm broken and I'm talking to my Evangeline and she's seven years old and she is out of order, which children are sometimes, and if I am responding to her out-of-order behavior, unaware of what is happening in her life, and being able to be the answer and leader in that house, then I may perpetuate a, 
a wounded heart by saying the wrong thing at the wrong time because I become a reactor. Fathers, there are nuclear reactors. We are not reactors. And in fact, we are not responders. We are listening to find out what the next step is in that situation that will be good for them, not for us. This is about the next generation. And I believe in this church that we can have families, that the hallmark of this church is that my family, my marriage works right, our family works right, our generation works right, and we do that by modeling. I come up here and talk all the time. What's most important is not my talk. It's not what I come. Anybody can pick up a Bible and take three scriptures and say, tell four stories, I think. What is important is, is our lives. When we leave this hour and a half session, what happens in my home? What happens in my marriage? What happens with my kids? And if I can't get it together, I need to have spiritual men, need to have spiritual men in your life that can mentor you and help you get up and get out of what you're in. To think you can get up and get out if you have a generation of fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers, you're in a generational curse. And often you can't get out of it by yourself. And no matter how much you want to get out of it, you keep falling because it's too big for you. It's just like if I get, get ready, I'm going I'm to press 500 pounds. That's a little more than I do. I, I'm going to need a spotter. I'm going to need Jeff there saying, Alex, be careful. You're going to kill yourself. It's too much weight for me. And some of us, we have too much weight. You're trying to lift 500 pounds. You can't do it. You need some spotters. You need some men that'll come in. You need some men that'll come in. My God, we are believing in this church that we're going to have 300 on fire spiritual men, and they're going to make a disciple, and then we'll have 600 men, and then we'll have thousands of men, and how is that going to happen? It's going to happen when one man says, I can't get this weight up. I need a spotter. And somebody says, I'll come alongside of you, and most of it will be not what you say. Watch me with my wife. Watch me with my kids. Watch what I say. Become a student of the person who's spotting for you so that you're growing. You're not going to do it by yourself. In most cases, you can't pull it off. And don't keep trying alone. This is not another Father's Day talk. This is not another gathering. There has to be a shift in this place. There has to be a shift so that when you go out here, you can listen to a thousand sermons and if it doesn't change us, we are all fooling ourselves. I'm declaring that we need to see a mighty revival and the mighty revival is very clear 
It is not primarily in a building. It is about men rising up. It's about fathers having men and sons that are being raised up so that those sons now, they are gonna be healthy when they hit the door and get out of your house and we perpetuate healthy, wholesome guys that are men. Twenty-three years ago today, in Brownsville, they were having a regular service. It was on that day, 23 years ago, in 1995, that something happened. Dr. Cho had put his finger on a map one time, who pastors Yodo Full Gospel Church, he put his finger on a map, and that was Brownsville, and he said, the revival was sweet Florida. It'll go up the East Coast, and it'll go across America. What if today, 2018, June the 17th, what happens if today something happens in the Spirit that we not only hear what God says, but we rush to the altars and out of holy desperation, we begin to call on the name of the Lord and ask him to come mightily and work among us. The prophecy in Malachi chapter four, verse six, says that our fathers are going to be connected with their children. And the children, it's the father's hearts, are going to be connected with the children's hearts. And the children to the fathers. Doesn't begin with the children. The pattern is it begins with the fathers. And the Bible says that is not by might, is not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We're asking. Last night I was so desperate. I was texting different people, our team. Let's fast today till three o'clock. Let's come expecting today that what happened at Brownsville where 200,000 people came to Christ in five years. What would happen if we are so changed that tomorrow morning we got up and we couldn't wait to open our Bible and get on our faces before the Lord and say, come Jesus. Move on this Father Move on our children. Come, Holy Spirit. We're waiting for you. We're waiting here for your spirit to fall upon us. They waited for 10 days. They've been at prayer meeting. They, were probably, they went home all, each night, I'm sure, and came back. Nothing happened. Day two came back. They just kept praying. And what was happening was more than they could see. Because when they prayed, they were paving the way for the great outpouring of the Spirit of God. On the tenth day, while they were sitting there, the power of the Holy Spirit came down. And the Bible says that it was like tongues of fire over each one of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in the spiritual language that erupted a Pentecostal uprising that cannot be stopped, cannot be limited. I see, see a mighty revival. I see thousands of fathers. I see godly men. I see men that had no chance rising up. Encounters with 200 that we hardly can write down the names of people registering. There's so, there's so many that men say, I'm getting out. I'm getting out. I'm not living like this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm messing things up. I'm believing June 22nd will be the greatest, greatest encounter we've ever had in the history of our church. Young and old, we will see a down pour of the Spirit of God upon us. When we are with holy desperation, He comes in that awesome power of the Holy Spirit. Something happens when we say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And see, we don't come because we think we've got everything. Our thirst level may be like that. That's all right. We come with our tiny thirst level. And he says, listen, I'll begin to fill you up. And he fills up not our heads, fills up our hearts. And Jesus says, out of the innermost being, there's going to flow living water. And when living water begins to run out of us, look out. Because everywhere it goes, it brings forth life. I'm going to ask no one to move for a moment. I want everyone, please, to stand for just a second. I was alone with the Lord to very late Thursday night. I was asking God, do something with fathers and sons specifically. I want to ask, I want to ask all the fathers here to consider, to consider. And maybe you have a son here to just in a moment walk up here and you don't have to even be thinking of anything. You're just saying, Lord, here I am, work in me. So I want to open our altars here, like what happened in Brownsville. That inspired me. This picture right here we had up about them all praying together. Hallelujah, hallelujah. No men are coming. Consider, 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 consider. Consider. Come a little closer, all of you. Just go a little closer. 
Father, as we have come together on this day, we stand here before you in your presence. And we ask that you would do what we can't do ourselves. Pray that you will heal our hearts. Take out the clutter. Take out the things that cause us to behave in a way that's not good. Holy Spirit, you're able in an atmosphere like this to go into our hearts and touch us. And most of us, Lord, we need you to plow up the hard ground of our hearts because it's time to really seek the Lord. Speak to us in this quiet way. Speak to us just the words we need individually because some have given up of ever going down the road of blessing. Some feel that they've just crossed the line and their time is over. Some have stumbled and fallen, some even this week. Lord, I thank you that we don't get what we deserve, but we get your grace. Thank you, Lord. Show us your mercy and grace today and let us know that though we're down, you can pull us up. Though our hearts are discordant in our relationship with you, you can clean and clear it out and break these strongholds we cannot see, but we know they exist. Break the barriers that keep us from talking to our kids. Annihilate the unseen fortresses of hell. Penetrate the darkness of our heart. And help us as men to stop backing up. Help us to not only stand up, but help us to pursue and go after the enemy. I pray, God, that you'll take the weak and take those that are timid and let us rise up and let us be fighters and let us fight for what belongs to us that we are not going to lose our prized possessions that we are not going to sit around and believe that the power of the enemy is greater than the power that was released on the cross we will not be deceived we will not be disrupted by this kind of deception and today our eyes are clear our hearts see that we can win and in the name of Jesus we take authority right now and we declare every fortress comes down. Every demonic power comes down in the name of Jesus. I declare that the weak rise up. I declare that those who are discouraged rise up with courage. And Lord, let this army of men rise up. 300 men and then 600 men and then 1,200 men. God, give us thousands in stadiums of thousands of men in Jesus' name because Christ is real. Hallelujah. And we are waiting here for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, begin to shout to the Lord. Begin to shout.
standing here for you. We always give friends an opportunity to have the forgiveness of Jesus. What was provided on the cross where Christ took our sickness, he took our sins so that every person could get, be forgiven. No matter how far we've gone down the dark road of sin, Christ calls us back and he lifts his, his hand out to us and he says, you're my child, come, and I'll make the record clear, and I'll pardon you, but you have to ask. And when we ask, our whole world changes. In a moment, when I count to three, you're here, say, listen, I want to be forgiven of my sins, and I want you to pray for me, and I'm going to do it today, and I believe in this kind of an environment like anything can happen, like your, your whole life can be changed in a moment, just because you raise your hand and say, Jesus, I want you, what you have. I'm going to count to three, and don't just do it. One, two, three. Put up your hand. I need to be forgiven. All over the building. Put it up. 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 I need to be forgiven. I need to be forgiven. Back there. Back there. Put them up. Put them up. Put them up. I need to be forgiven. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask every man that lift your hand in the front, don't leave, man. Every person who raised your hand, just stand right here, right in the front. Yes, right here. Come, come, come. Yes, come, wherever you are. Come, stand here. Yes, right there, right there. Come, come. Sons, daughters, whoever it is, come, come right now. Stand right here. Come, come right now. Come to Jesus. Just back up a little bit. Back up a little bit. That's it, that's it, that's it. That's it. Hallelujah. Come on, come on. Back up just a little bit. Back up just a little bit. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. From the balcony. Come, come, come. Yes. Come right now. Come. Come right now. Those that are, uh, just stay for just a second. We're going to pray this prayer. How many think and know God is here? All these people come to Christ. Now, we're going to repeat this prayer. And if you're watching online or you didn't come, say this prayer for your heart. And everybody say it. Jesus, Jesus I, put my faith in you. I put my faith in you. 
that you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and he is alive. I turn from my sins. I repent of my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Give me your grace, the gift of righteousness, and eternal life. You prayed that prayer. My goodness, you are in the family. Go ahead, make a way there for them. Hallelujah. Make a way.